You want to put a syndication or a fund together, well, you probably want to get paid for the work you're doing, right? So in this video, we're going to talk about the different fees and split structures that exist, but we're also going to talk about why I think it's important to separate the two in your thought process. think about fees, I think the most important thing is think about it like your pay. It's the pay that you get for the actual work that you're doing. So that pay itself needs to be commensurate with not only the amount of work that it's involved, but also your experience level and time spent away. Now, if you were doing uh, all the accounting, you should get paid for that. And here, you're oftentimes doing different things like the asset management or you're putting together the acquisition or a disposition of specific assets. So you need to be compensated for those. So let's go through the basic fees that I see in most of my structures. And in this case, we're gonna really probably be talking more about real estate fees just because in a real estate syndication context because that's more commonly seen as having the more amount of fees. So let's talk about those. So the first type of fee is, of course, an asset management fee. When we talk about asset management, that is the fee that you should be earning for the work that you're doing in order to keep the asset itself managed or the assets managed. So it's keeping that fund going. This is things like investor relations. It's things like the back-end accounting before you hand it off to an accountant. It's the uh, keeping the day-to-day, -day, keeping an eye on the market, making sure that when's a good time to start disposing of these assets. Those are typically the thought process behind uh, asset management fees. Now, the percentages that, we, that uh, syndicators and fund managers typically charge for asset management fees ranges from about 1% to 2%. But the question really becomes 1% to 2% of what? So that what most of the time is the amount of money of, uh, that have been raised from the investors. So it's that capital accounts uh, that is typically used. Some people prefer to use gross income. Uh, other people even use net operating income. Those obviously would be lower amounts of fees. And the reasoning is because they don't want to be charging excess fees. They may be making their money elsewhere, like in the splits, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Besides the asset management fee, a lot of developers, developers of real estate, will charge a development supervision fee. Now this is different than a developer's fee, like the regular fee to actually be doing the development itself, but it's that relationship between the uh, syndication or the fund itself with the developer that's being covered here. A lot of times that supervision fee is around 10%. 10% uh, of hard and soft costs as they're incurred. That's just a general ballpark that I see probably more often than not. Another type of fee that we oftentimes see is property management fees. Now, a lot of people will put their property management out to a third party, and that's definitely a good idea because your, your specialty is, in this case, in the fund or in the property uh, or in the asset management itself for the syndication. Now, if you own a property management company, you're obviously going to keep that yourself and be earning those fees. 
Also, it's worth thinking about maybe you want to keep the property management itself if it's something like a triple net property where there's actually not that much property management that goes on and you may be able to pass that off to the uh, lessors of the property, I mean the lessees of the property itself. So property management, it's still a fee, and so it still is part of what I consider part of the fees. Whether you're keeping it, then we certainly put it in there, or if you're not keeping it, we'll probably just make reference that it's being paid to a third party. Uh, another type of fee would be the acquisition fee or a disposition fee. Uh, acquisition and disposition fees are typically around 1%, 1.5% of the purchase or sale price of the asset. This is for all the work that puts that goes into actually acquiring or disposing of the asset. So gathering due diligence material, uh, reviewing all those things, that takes a lot of time and it should be compensated for that. Uh, lastly, in the, the normal fee category would be uh, real estate agent fees. Uh, real estate agent fees I put here, even though probably if you're doing a real estate deal itself, those are getting paid anyway. But if you as a sponsor are getting paid those fees, it needs to be discussed, and this is just the best place to put it when we're talking about management fees. The reason we need to disclose it is not only because, uh, because it's a fee there, but it also represents a conflict of interest. It is possible, and a lot of times we'll disclose that it's that it's reasonable to believe that maybe the sales price could have been higher if it wasn't being represented by somebody who also had the split loyalty. Or the purchase price might have been lower. It's, not, it's definitely not the case all the time, but we like to put it in there just so that we've made it very clear that there is a conflict of interest, but we've now disclosed it. There's a few other kinds of fees that are less common than, uh, than the fees we just talked about. Uh, that would include like a finance fee. So the fee associated with putting a loan together and making sure the financing is there. That fee is generally somewhere between half a percent to as high as a point and a half uh, for the amount of, uh, for that work. Uh, and it's all based on the amount of the loan that's being got, not on any other part. Another kind of fee that happens from time to time is a marketing fee. A lot of times you'll see this if a broker dealer is involved because you'll have a marketing fee as well, which is the cost of putting all the material together for the broker dealer so that they can do their work in finding investors. Lastly would be like a startup fee, so a startup cost. So this is normally a reimbursable expense anyway, those costs, but the startup fee itself is for the work of putting together the syndication itself uh, and that, that body of work. It's not very common and normally if it's there, it's somewhere between one and 2% of the total amount that's raised, but it's not that common. Now, so fees in general, should be thought of as your income. It's probably being taxed as income for you. So as you begin earning these fees, it's probably paid out upon a receipt of uh, completing the work. So the IRS is going to say it's income and it, it's probably is counted as such. Different than fees is splits. So the splits we can think about as the profit part. So you have your regular income, but the other piece of the puzzle is the profit that you're making from having done all this work. So it's not the income side, but it's that profit piece. 
A lot of times, and you should definitely speak with your accountant about this and so make sure that it's kosher, but a lot of times what we'll do is, uh, is, is uh, syndicators will put those, put those splits in on the, the capital gain side of their returns, then it have a lower tax rate. Now, they need to basically have invested money, have money at risk in order to be doing that. But again, talk with your accountant and see if this is an avenue that's available to you because you can save a lot of money and you'll make more money that will be in your pocket at the end of the day. There's three kinds of basic splits that are out there in the world. Uh, and so the first one that's definitely the most common would be a waterfall split with or without a preferred return. So the preferred return is that percentage that you're guaranteeing gets paid to the investor before any other distribution of profits gets split out. So they get their money back and they get any sort of prof, uh, they get whatever that preferred return is as that's first in line. There may or may not be a catch up for the manager, but that's not really relevant to this conversation. Other videos talk about that that I've put out. So that waterfall that has the preferred, may or may not have a preferred return, it may or may not have a catch up. And then at, that, at some point it will have a split, like you oftentimes hear about 80-20 or 70-30. Those are the splits. Typically, it's about 70% or 80% or 60% or whatever that percentage is goes to the investor and the remainder goes to the sponsor. That's not always the case. It always depends on how the whole financial structure has been set up. I've done deals where only 10% of the profits go to the investors, where 90% goes to the, uh, the sponsors because they've given the, the investors so much reward as part of a preferred return or something like that, that they it will want to make it uh, something marketable that would still uh, you know, basically still be investable, but still make a lot of money for themselves as well. Um, the next kind would be straight equity. So you've got a property, you're buying it for five million, but the reality is, is that you're actually buying it for 4,500,000 and you're charging to your investors it as if it was a five million property. You're taking 10% off uh, for your own equity. So you're keeping 10% of the deal and they're getting the other part. I call this straight equity. The reason, or sponsor's equity is another name. I could use it sometimes for it. The reason why this is a great deal for you is you're guaranteed you're gonna get paid. So if the property gets uh, sells, even if it sells for three million, you're gonna get that 10% of that three million, you're gonna get that $300,000 uh, uh, payday, even if it goes under market. So it works out very well for sponsors. Uh, individual investors may or may not like it. They may object or have questions to it. And if your deal works for it, great. If it doesn't, then you, know, you probably should choose some other avenue. The third kind is what I call a harvest promote. And this is actually pretty rare, but I think it's important to talk about because it is out there in the world. A harvest promote says, okay, we're gonna sell the property or sell all the assets in year five or whatever that time is. Once we've sold, we're gonna return all the money to investors. Once investors have been get paid back, at that point, the sponsor is gonna take the first 10% of profits for themselves, and then the rest will be uh, given out either as a split 
or given out as uh, straight to the investors. So that way the, uh, the sponsor, is as long as it's profitable, is gonna be making good money on it. But it, it, put, it puts the, the relief on the side of the investor that, hey, at least I know I'm gonna get my money back before the sponsor makes any money. So those are the general types of splits. Now splits, again, Think about those as the profit center. So that's you profiting from it, not the regular pay that you receive for day-to-day -day work. So I hope you found this video helpful because what we're trying to do here is we're trying to talk about these two categories uh, that are going on, splits and fees. Now, many, many people come to me every day and ask me about this or what sort of split should I have or what sort of fees should I be charging? And the answer is, well, let's look at your numbers. Let's see what you're doing. When I get hired, most of the time I go through in detail the financial picture of it, and I'll give up my opinion as to where I think they're at in the market. If I think that they're charging a lot of money in terms of fees against investors, I'll let my, my clients know that because I want their product to be marketable at the end of the day. It doesn't do anybody any good if, it doesn't, if they can't get investors out there. So, but I also want my investor, my uh, sponsors and my fund managers to make as much money as possible. So many, many times I'll go through what those numbers are and we'll talk about, well, maybe if we tweak this or maybe if we change this, we'll get a better return that would be more marketable. Because really, at the end of the day, your investors care not only about what the story is about it, which I do believe is probably the most important thing that you have to sell them. But the second most important thing is that number of what that return is, because they need to understand what it is. I mean, if it's, uh, if it's an 8% return or a 20% return, whatever it is, if it's something that they're interested in, they're going to invest. So ultimately, we wanna end up with a good solid return that they can rationally believe in so that they can then buy into your story and be, be a part of your vision that you've got as your syndication or fund takes off. My name is Tilda Muschietti. I am a syndication attorney with the Muschietti Syndication Law Group. If we can help you, please don't hesitate to give us a call.